doing, guess what happened? Suddenly he was attacked. After this, the attack came. Alrighty? Remember last week? Who People was here, remember what I talked about? Anybody remember what I talked about last week? The storm. There's two storms in the Bible. This is the storm. There's more than two storms in the Bible. The two storms I talked about was the storm that God sends, the storm that devil sends. And I tricked you by asking you which storm you wanted to be in. And I asked everybody to raise their hand. Who wants to be in God's storm? Everybody raise their hand. That is not the storm you want to be in. You do not want to be in God's storm. You find that storm in the book of Jonah when you're, God's trying to redirect you. You want to be in the storm that the enemy's bringing because you're doing something that God wants you to do and the enemy sees it and he starts to stop it, stop you. So Jehoshaphat found himself. Jehoshaphat was a good king. He was one of, one of Israel's better kings and he was doing what God had called him to do and the enemy was coming against him. Okay? Y'all with me? And that's what we got to see this morning. That's what happens. I'm, second thing is if you look and study the, who the enemy was, it mentions a couple of them. It mentions the people of Ammon and people of Moab, Moab. And if you go back and study those people, you find a couple of interesting things about those people. Number one is they were sexually perverse people. They were sexually perverse people. Those people were. And number two, they were very rebellious people. And I think there's a, a spiritual, a figurative type here that, the people of God are always going, the enemy's going to always attack us with those two things. You look in our society. We live in a very sexually perverse society. And we live in a very rebellious society. You see what I'm saying? So the enemy's going to bring those kind of, so those are like just two things I want to just sort of just get right up front the first two verses. Is that's lots of ways, you know, I told you what Steve told me. There was a spirit of lust released against the people of God in this area. A spirit of lust. More than just your normal, you know, some guys having a temptation. But there's really an attack against Christian men. And if you've, you've having that problem more than what you would think, then there's a spirit coming against you to destroy you. And there's a spirit of confusion also. And I have seen, I've been a victim of that spirit of confusion in the last few weeks. Where, you know, and I'm not, I'm not the confusing kind of guy, really, honestly. I'm not, I don't get, I'm the kind of person, well, you got ten answers, can't figure out which one we're going to do one on. We're going to pick one and go for it. But I got to a point where everything looked right or everything looked wrong. I didn't know what. I was trapped, I felt, until the Lord really started speaking to me and broke that thing off of me. And so I really want to emphasize to you, Steve Thompson is not the kind of guy who meddles with people. In fact, he was very sort of embarrassed almost. I hate to be saying this. You know, I'm not trying to meddle. Uh, that's how he approached me the first time. Last Monday morning he called me again and said, listen, you've got to hear what I'm telling you. This is really serious. This is really, there's really something going on. It's not just against your church. It's against the churches in Mooresville. And you've got, you guys have got to really pray against that because the enemy is trying to take you out. Now, get, I went to the pastors and we meet every week praying and guess what? They were all talking. Everybody feels like, you know, they're being, you know, that the enemy's coming against them. You know, and I know you can get all too spiritual about stuff, but I want to tell you, we, we really need to be praying against our enemies. We need to be praying against what the enemy wants to do to us because he's really trying to stop what God is wanting to do. In the last year, let me tell you, on Saturday morning there's a prayer meeting here that has Pentecostals, us, whatever we are, you know, and Presbyterians 
meeting together to pray for this city. That's, that's amazing to me. Every Saturday, Presbyterians, Pentecostals, and us kind of people meet together and pray. And they're not sitting here praying for themselves and their big toes. And so they're praying that God would, would come and move in Morrisville, that God would come rid Morrisville of all the evil that's in it, praying for all the churches. Every Thursday morning, there's uh, young people that are getting up and praying at 6 o'clock for this city, praying for you. Think about that. That's miraculous. You get a young person up at 6 o'clock, you know, to come and pray. I mean, that's God. Um, every Tuesday, no, every Wednesday morning, business men, right, are meeting at 6 o'clock downtown at Robert Brawley's insurance office, right? And women? Women are... Women are invited, but I guess they don't want to go hang out with a bunch of guys at 6 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> but they're praying. They're praying that God would come and move here. You know, and then every Wednesday, pastors are meeting uh, and praying at 10 no, 9 o'clock. We, we don't believe in getting up early. <laughs> no, we can, get, we can meet at 9, so we do. <laughs> but we're praying together and asking the Lord. And I'm going to tell you, the Lord's doing something. It's getting beyond that... I don't know if you ever go to a pastor's thing. Maybe you probably haven't, but there's a lot of politics and surface stuff that goes on in those things. That stuff is being flushed. It's being People are getting real. People are getting real. And one of the pastors, and this would be the most unlikely pastor, said this. We've got to quit looking, our, looking at this as, well, I got my church. I'm not going to tell you which pastor it is. This is my church, blah, 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 church. We've got to look at us as we're the church in Morrisville. When one church suffers, all churches suffer. You hear what I'm saying? So everybody's sort of feeling the heat right now, and God's allowing it, okay? I'm not saying God's not allowing it. God is allowing us to experience a certain amount of affliction, okay? The devil can't do anything to you that God doesn't know about. He can't sneak something past God. God allows things. Now, sometimes it happens because we sin, but I believe that we're moving in a direction, just like I was talking about with the school. We're moving in a direction, and there's great resistance from the evil one. There's great hindrances. And I'll tell you, I have, been, I have gone from one extreme to the other. I have, felt, I have felt afraid. I have felt dismayed. I have felt discouraged. But at the same time, I have this excitement. And the other night I got in the bed and I looked at Dave and I was thinking, God is really going to do something here. He really is. He's going to move here. I mean, there's this excitement down here that I know with all my heart He really is. And the reason I know is because the enemy is trying so hard to stop what God wants to do. So I want you to encourage, be encouraged this morning that God is up to something. And the enemy wants to stop. So don't allow yourself to be pulled into petty stuff. Don't allow yourself to be pulled and be used unknowingly by the devil, which we all have been. I mean, I have been. That's, that's Becky if you don't believe it. Don't allow yourself that. Think about it. Think about what's happening. Think about unusual things that happen. Now, this can't be, this ain't right. There's something spiritual going on. There's spiritual things going on. And we've got to ask God to open our eyes and show us how to combat those things. And just like here with Jehoshaphat, those guys were doing what God had called them to do. He was trying to get Judah back on track with God. And out of nowhere, these people arrayed themselves against them. Okay? So, here's the things... That he did. I got seven things he did to bear to deal with this thing, deal with this attack. Uh, verse three and four. 
And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord. And from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Number one, first thing they did was fast in prayer. Now, here's, this is something interesting. Three, there's three critical moments in the New Testament. Three critical moments. One was when Jesus, in Matthew 4, uh, verse 1 and 2, it says, Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He was led by the Spirit to be tempted. The Holy Spirit said, Jesus, we're going out here so you can face the devil. Guess what Jesus did? And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights after he was hungry. So Jesus, it's interesting that Jesus himself fasted when he knew he was going to face the, the adversary. He fasted. Um, another one, Acts 13, first missionary trip that Paul and Barnabas went on. Then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. Then having fasted and prayed. The third one. This is when uh, the big revival was going on down in Ephesus. And they were trying to get, you know, leadership in place. Acts 14, 23. So when they had appointed elders in every church and prayed with fasting, they commended unto the Lord in whom they had believed. In other words, so really one of the things I'm asking you to do is fast. I think we're in a time, again, we're in a time of order. We need to fast. We need to pray and fast. Now, I'm not saying, oh, let's call this fast and everybody fast on a certain day and all that. That kind of stuff. I'm just asking you to get before the Lord and fast. Uh, and, you know, don't eat some meals for some period of time, whatever you believe is right. Really to humble yourself to seek the Lord because we see it's a powerful thing that is all through the Bible, fasting and prayer. So we really need to humble ourselves to the Lord, fast and pray, you know, not just for our church, not just for our home life, but for the city, for what's going on in the city. So that's the first thing they did. They fasted and prayed. Amen? I'm not going to try to get you to do everything they did here, but just a couple of things. Okay? All right, let's jump down to verse 12. This is a good one. I'm not... From verse 5 on, there was a prayer. It's a great prayer, but we don't have time to read every detail of this prayer. Verse 10, 12, this is what... Uh, this is sort of the end of the prayer. Oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Well, let me just, just say one thing. I think the powers and forces that we as Christians face, <laughs> we can't beat them on our own. Okay? They're stronger than us. Demonic powers are stronger than us on a natural level. And especially principalities, which are, you know, higher level things. But uh, this, number two, uh, fix your eyes on Jesus. Our eyes are upon you. That's what we've got to do. And the Hebrew there literally means to keep your thoughts focused. Keep your th thoughts focused. Mm. Your thoughts focused. And I'm going to tell you, that's a powerful way because the enemy will try to distract you in your, in your thought life, in your mind, Right? Everybody experiences that. You know, that's one of his primary attacks is to come against your mind and start speaking to your mind. You know, I woke up at 4 o'clock in the morning. Uh, somehow I've been doing a lot lately. And I'm bombarded with thought, anxious thoughts. Situations come racing through my mind. And if I don't deal with those thoughts, they will keep me up the rest of the night and I'll feel like dirt the next day. So what I try to do and what I ask the Lord to help me to do is I begin to think about what the Lord has said to me. I begin to think about the, the Scriptures. And I begin to put my mind on that, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith. In other words, I don't focus on all these negative things or all these 
possible negative things. You know, I keep try to keep my thoughts focused on the Lord Himself. And that's a powerful weapon. And, and, and you know, it's something we need to constantly be doing. And that's something, that's what they said they did there. You know, our eyes are upon you. We're looking unto you. We're going to, we're not going to think about this bad stuff. We're going to think about you. We're going to, you, you hear what I'm saying? Uh, Psalm 25, 15. My eyes are ever towards the Lord, for He shall pluck my feet out of the net. My eyes are ever towards the Lord, for He shall pluck my feet out of the net. In Matthew 14, the Lord had bid Peter, Come out here and walk on the water with me, Peter. Come out here and walk on the water with me. Peter said, Lord, if that's you out there, tell me to come. You know, that's pretty good, don't you think? That's an aggressive guy. Hey! Jesus, is that you out there in the water? If that is, tell me to come in here because I want to be out there with you. We need to have that attitude. And so Peter got out of that boat and started swimming across the water, you know. And it says that he looked at the wind and the waves and he began to sink. He looked at the circumstances around him and he began to sink. And he cried out to Jesus and Jesus took him up into the boat because Jesus wasn't going to let him drown. You see, see what happens? We take our eyes off the Lord. As long as he had his eyes on the Lord, he could walk on water. The Lord told me one time, Byron, this is what he said to me. You need to learn how to walk on the water. I was thinking, what do you mean, Lord? He said, you're being overcome by circumstances in your life. If you'll keep your eyes on me, you can walk over water. You can do whatever it takes. And that's what it's going to take for us to do, see the kingdom of God come. And I'm going to tell you, in your personal life, in your house, in your home, in your job, with your, your family, it's going to take that. Because we're, we're facing stuff that wants to destroy all those things. Uh, verse, verse 13, the third thing. Stand and wait before Him. Stand and wait before Him. Number thir- Verse 13. Now all Judah with their little ones, their wives and their children, stood before the Lord. That was pretty good what Sarah Ruth had that song, that wasn't new, you know, she didn't confer with me, what are you preaching, blah, 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 and I'll have a dance and a song and all that to fit in. I don't, I kept it a secret. <laughs> in other words, unless God came through, they were dead. Okay? That's what they were doing. They knew, God, if you don't help us, we're, we're not helped. It was a God-sized task. You know, and we all rant and rave and carry on, yeah, we want these God-sized tasks, and they come into our laps. You know, there's God-sized demonic forces out there. There's God-sized opposition. There's God-sized problems that we need the Lord to help us with because we're sunk if He doesn't help us. And we need to get that in our hearts. We're sunk. This is what the Scripture says in Ephesians 6, verse 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore. Stand and wait on the Lord. Stand and wait on the Let's jump over to Psalm 40. Hold your place there. I just want to read this. This is cool. Psalm 40. What it says. It says, it's talking about if we'll wait on the Lord, the Lord will do like five or four or five things. Are y'all with me? We've got to be able to do this. We've got to be able to practically do this. This is stuff we, better, we, need to, we should be able to take this and walk out of this room and apply it in our lives. You hear what I'm saying? This is not just some mess. I'm not just saying this so you can just, you know, let's come up with some nice message to hear. We need something that's going to help us in the day that we live in. We need something that's going to help us when we woke up in the middle of the night. We need something to help us when we're facing problems and issues that are bigger than us. We need something. And, and God has given us something. This is part of it. Psalm 40, verse 1 through 3. I waited patiently for the Lord. <laughs> I'd like to take that word patiently 
and throwing it out and just say, I waited for the Lord. But it says, I waited patiently. If I'm not going to take any of that. And this is what the Lord, I did this. I waited patiently for the Lord. And he inclined to me, heard my cry. He also brought me up out of the horrible pit, out of the miry clay. So he inclined to you. He heard you. He'll bring you up out of the miry clay. And he would, then he would set your feet on a rock in a stable place and establish your steps. He has put, and he'll put a new song in your mouth. Praise to our God. Many will see it in fear and will trust in the Lord. It's just, you know, it's a... It's an evangelistic thing that can happen in your life if you will stand before the Lord and wait on the salvation of God in your life with your issues. Okay? It's important. And God has promised certain things for us if we will wait for Him. If you get ahead of the Lord, you could mess up. <laughs> okay, number four. Let's leave, read verse 14 through 17. Number four is this. Receive the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Verse 14. This is a great one here. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benai, the son of Jael, the son of Matimah. Boy, these are some messed up names, aren't they? <laughs> a Levite of the son of Asaph. You know who Asaph was? Man, Asaph was a ser- serious guy. He was like the worship man, the prophetic worship man in, in, in the Bible. So this guy had a real great spiritual heritage. In the, this is from David's era, Asaph. In the midst of the assembly, he said, Listen, now you guys stand up prophesying. Listen, all you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you, King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you. No, that's, that would be music to your ears. Do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours but God's. Tomorrow, go down against them. They will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz. And you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourself. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. Receive the ministry of the Holy Spirit. problem with the ministry of the Holy Spirit, it doesn't make sense. I mean, who ever heard of a battle strategy like that? you got these armies coming against you. you got this prophet saying, No, just go out there and stand. They ain't going to get you. God's going to get them. Does that make sense to your natural mind? We sit here today because we know the outcome of it. And, oh, it sounds so lovely and so and so wonderful until God gives you some kind of cockeyed instruction, you know, that doesn't make any sense on the natural plane. He's going to hang you, and you feel like you're fixing to get hung out in the dry, and if God doesn't show up, them guys are going to run over us like, you know like a professional football team running over a middle school team. You know, that's what it was. You see, the ministry of the Holy Spirit doesn't make sense a lot of times, and this is the reason why it doesn't make sense a lot of times. It says it in 1 Corinthians 1.25, because the foolishness, the foolishness of God is wiser than man. The foolishness of God, the weakness of God is stronger than men. The cross made no sense we got a cross on your neck. It looks nice and pretty and clean, but I promise you to Jesus, I promise you to those people who were following Jesus, it didn't, it didn't look pretty. It didn't make sense. You hear what I'm saying to you? The Holy Spirit's ministry will not necessarily be logical. Now, it can be, but I'm saying many times the Holy Spirit will ask you to do things which makes no natural sense because God does not think the way we do and God knows something we don't know. So we need to receive what God says, even when it doesn't make sense. 
Well, Lord, it just don't. And this is what I've said, Lord. You know, we've been messing with this building for two years, and now you want us to build it when it seems like the economy's falling apart around. That don't make sense to me, Lord. You know, that sort of scares me. And the Lord was saying, do you live by faith or do you live by fear? You know, you've got to live by what the Word of God says. And that's the truth. And you'll prosper. In fact, look down in... Where is that at? Verse 20. It says, So they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe His prophets, and you shall prosper. Now that's what he was saying. You've got to believe what God says. You've got to believe what the Holy Spirit says to do. You've got to be led by the Holy Spirit. And one of these days, i got this tremendous message <laughs> about how you know if you're led by the Holy Spirit and not just fooling yourself. I was going to do that today, but anyway, that was number four. Y'all seem to be awful quiet out there. I'm sort of jealous. All right, number five. All right, this is a good one. This will blow some religious brains out into the left field, you know, this real stodgy guy. I'm telling you, Jesus is happy in heaven. There's not no sadness in heaven. He's happy. I saw this movie one time about, I don't even remember the movie, but Jesus had this banana, and he was messing with people with this banana, hitting them on the head. And I, at first I thought, well, you think Jesus would do something like that? And I thought, I know Jesus would do something like that. I know he would. He would kid around. He would have a good time with people. He would bless people. He's not some old stodgy guy like everybody's made him to be. He's happy. We were watching this movie last night. This is crazy. And these guys were... These guys were, uh, this is an old movie, they had been captured slaves, and there's these people came, and they were sitting there and watching these people sing Amazing Grace to them. They said, what are they doing? Well, this is the most, these are the miserable people. That's what they said. I said, why in the world they got to depict Christians as miserable on TV, on movies and stuff, Becky? And she said, because a lot of them are. They act miserable. And, you know, those people were just miserable as they could be out there singing Amazing Grace to these guys that were locked up and didn't know what was going on, couldn't understand the language. Well, Jesus is not like that. And when we are all miserable and acting and coming to church miserable and bad, you know, all the stuff that I've been soaked in, I just don't believe that's the Lord. I don't believe that's what's going on in heaven. And we say, God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Now, you pray that prayer, you're going to get insulted. God will insult you. He is Because I've been so insulted by God, it's ridiculous. Because God, in heaven, there's joy, there's laughter, there is intensity, there's passion. And we pray it and we want to be all stodgy and, and dead acting. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't connect. Our prayer is not connecting. What we're asking for, and when it starts coming, we get offended about it and think, this is ridiculous. Well, it's not. It's what we ask for. It's for heaven to come to earth. Forget religion. That stuff will not do any good. When the chips are down and your back's against the wall, you're not going to go look for some religious thing to help you. You're going to look for the power of God. And we need to get the power of God now because yet the world's back is not against the wall, but the day's coming. And they're not going to search out the religious crowd. People are going to search out somebody who's got something real. And we've got to get the real thing. We need to, God, bring your kingdom on earth. Bring your heaven on earth. 
And it may, and it's probably going to blow our minds. Like, I'm sure, if I would have been one of the soldiers there, I would have been begging Jehoshaphat, don't listen to that prophet. We've got to come up with some strategy and have this flank here and ten guys over here and, you know, some tanks and some, you know, artillery and all that stuff. That's what I would have been doing. That's probably what most of you would have been doing. See, when they were in that situation, that strategy didn't sound so blessed and wonderful. It really didn't. It sounded crazy. But we somehow take this and separate it from where we're at today. Okay. <laughs> Verse 18 and 19. And Jehosh number five is praise and worship. I somehow, I think I said that. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites of the children of the Kohites, whatever you say, how you say that, and the children of the Korahite heights <laughs> stood up to raise the Lord, to, to raise the Lord, <laughs> stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with voices loud and high. So you got worship in one verse, you got praise in the other verse, and if you look down in verse 21, this is what happened when they went out to battle. And when they consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and were saying, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. These, look, it said they went out before the army. They were, the praisers and the worshipers were in the front. They weren't at the tail end, okay, after everything's done, we'll praise the Lord. No, we have to praise the Lord first now, before we see the victory. Praise goes in front. In fact, if you go back and study the Old Testament, when they did battles, guess who was the one who always went out in front? Guess which tribe? Judah, which means what? Praise. Always. And, God, and, and that is no accident. God is trying to tell us something. You need to start thanking God. He said, in all things, give thanks. In all things, give thanks. You need to start blessing the Lord for the victory, for the things He's going to do in your life before they happen in your life. Now, that's the Bible. It, you may not feel, again, I don't feel like praising the Lord. But Jesus inside of me does. I'm not depending on me to be able to do it, because me can't. But I can call on the life of Christ in me and say, life of Christ in Byron, this tent. I need to be praising the Lord. I just don't have it in me. Please quicken me to praise Him. And just begin praising Him. With, give Him your tongue and begin to praise Him. Okay? So that's number five. Number 6, verse 20. We read that. Let me read it again. So they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe his prophets, and you shall prosper. Uh, the key word here is that they rose early. They ro Everybody say rose early. I'm telling you, who's getting up early if you ain't believing God? You know, I mean, I'm not wanting to get up early. I mean, I get up early, but it's not because I'm, you know, yeah, let's get up early. I'm getting up early because I believe God's going to be there. In other words, this is it. You've got to, if you believe God, and everybody says, thing, well, I believe the Lord told me to do this, but they never do anything. Well, I believe God's going to do this, but they never do anything. Now, this sort of almost seems contrary to the thing I said about standing and being still before the Lord and waiting on God. And there is that, but there's this divine tension where if we really believe God about something, if God has really, we are going to respond. It's an action. 
If you go back and study Hebrews 11, you start reading. It says, Abel did what? He offered a better sacrifice to God by faith. That's what it said. It says, Abraham left where he was at and went out somewhere by faith. It says, Sarah had a baby conceived by... In other words, they were all doing something. It didn't say, you know, Becky believed God and just sat there. I'm going to tell you something. People who believe God are going to respond to God. People who believe God are going to do something. They're not just going to sit around, well, I, you know, I believe God's going to, you know, save America, and, you know, I believe God's going to move in Mooresville, and, okay, great, come on, let's get together, and, you know, you can come to one of the prayer meetings. Oh, I really can't do that. That's not believing God. No, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that's what you're supposed to do. I'm just saying that's an example. If we really believe God, we are going to respond to God. We're going to do something. We're not going to set back forever. We're going to prosper if we believe God. So you've got to respond to the Lord. You know, if the Lord tells you a simple thing, I believe God wants to heal people. I, there's people who believe God wants to heal people, and they would, they would kill for that doctrine. They would kill it. They'd fight over that. We believe, yes, God wants to heal people, blah, but they never pray for a soul to get healed. Now, something's wrong with that. Something's wrong with that. Yes, I believe in prophecy, but somebody prophesies they're offended. Yes, I believe tongues are for today, but if somebody speaks in tongues, they don't like it. Yes, I believe we should worship the Lord, but no, don't be raising your hands in church. Something has to, there's something wrong with us if we say we believe things, but we don't live those things and respond to those things. You've got to respond. You've got to move. When God says something and you really believe it, you have to respond. You have to step out there. Now, you're supposed to do all these other things, too. You're supposed to wait before them. You're supposed to be praying. And don't be... In other words, don't just take one of these things and pull it out of context and try to do it. You know? Don't be trying to respond to God if you haven't heard God. You know? Abraham heard God. Abel had something in his heart from God to make a sacrifice like he did. Moses heard God speak to him. That's why he did what he did. There was a relationship. They heard him. Jehoshaphat pointed it out to him. God has spoken. We've heard him tell us what to do. Let's do it. Let's don't sit here and spend six months with some group trying to decide and pray about, should we go out and praise or should we have a military campaign? That's why a lot of churches never go nowhere. They get hung up trying to decide stuff instead of saying, God has said this, let's do it. Let's go do it. He's told us to do it. He's told us to reach the city. He's told us to go out in all the world. He's told us to do these things. We need to do them. Are you sure, are you sure you're with me? Yeah. I mean, it's the truth. All right, and this is the best part of the whole thing. Oh, this is something I wanted to say. This is something the Lord's really been speaking to me about. It goes with